Hello, and welcome to The Essential Reads. My name is Isaac, and my goal is to bring to you a bunch of classic audiobooks in an easy and accessible way. We are continuing with Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain, and as usual with this book, trigger warning. Uh, the words and descriptions of characters were appropriate for the time when the book was written, and they do not reflect my views at all. Uh, if any such slurs or phrases that aren't quite appropriate do come up, I'm just going to be dropping the audio down so it's muted, um, so that I can still publish this on YouTube. That's pretty much it. Um, yeah, let's get into it. Hello, and we'll get to the book very shortly, but I would just like to say thank you very much for your ongoing support, and if you would like to support me in a larger way, I now have a Patreon, where you can um, support me, which is great, and you can also find exclusive audiobooks that I cannot publish on YouTube because reasons, but because Patreon has an internal system, I can publish those special books there, and you can listen to them, which is cool. So if you'd like to join me there, we are currently going through The Alchemist by Pablo Caola. I believe that's the pronunciation. I don't speak Portuguese, but I think that's right. Hit me up if it's not. You already do in the comments. Um, but uh, yeah, so if you'd like to support me there, you can get some cool books, and you can also really help me turn this into my full-time job, which would be absolutely amazing. Let's get back to the book. Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain. Chapter 28. By and by, it was getting up time, so I come down the ladder and started for downstairs. But as I come to the girls' room, the door was open, and I see Mary Jane sitting by her old hair trunk, which was open, and she'd been packing things in it, getting ready to go to England. But she had stopped now, with a folded gown in her lap, and had her face in her hands, crying. I felt awful bad to see it, of course, anybody would. I went in there and says, Miss Mary Jane, you can't bear to see people in trouble. And I can't, most always. Tell me about it. So she done it, and it was the I just expected it. She said the beautiful trip to England was most about spoiled for her. She didn't know how she was going to be happy there, knowing the mother and the children weren't ever going to see each other no more and then busted out, bitter than ever, and flung up her hands and says, Oh, dear, dear, to think they ain't ever gonna see each other no more. But they will. And inside of two weeks. And I know it, says I. Laws, it was out before I could think. And before I could budge, she throws her arms around my neck and told me to say it again. Say it again. Say it again. I see I'd spoken too sudden and said too much, and was in a close place. I asked her to let me think a minute, and she sat there, very impatient and excited, and handsome, but looking kind of happy and eased up, like a person that's had a tooth pulled out. So I went to studying it out. I says to myself, I reckon a body that ups and tells the truth when he's in a tight place is taking considerable many risks. No, I ain't had no experience, and I can't say for certain. But it looks so to me, anyway. And yet, here's a case where I'm blessed if it don't look to me like the truth is better and actually safer than a lie. I must lay it by in my mind and think it over some time or other. So kind of strange and unregular. I never see nothing like it. Well, I says to myself at last, I'm going to chance it. I'll up and tell the truth this time.
though it does seem like setting down on a keg of powder and torching it off just to see where you go to. And then I says, Miss Mary Jane, is there any place out of town's little ways you could go and stay for three or four days? Yes, Mr. Lothrop, why? Never mind why yet. If I tell you I know that we'll see each other again inside of two weeks here in this house and prove how I know it, will you go to Mr. Lothrop's and stay four days? Four days, she says. I stay a year. All right, I says. I don't want nothing more out of you than just your word. I'd rather have it than another man's kiss the Bible. She smiled and reddened up very sweetly. And I says, If you don't mind, I'll shut the door and bolt it. And then I come back and sit down again and says, Don't you holler. Just sit still and take it like a man. I gotta tell you the truth. And you want to brace up, Miss Mary, because it's a bad kind. And it's going to be hard to take. But there ain't no help for it. These uncles of yours ain't no uncles at all. They're a couple of frauds, regular deadbeats. There, we're over the worst of it. You can stand the rest middle and easy. It jolted her up like everything, of course, but I was over the shoal water now, so I went right along, her eyes a-blazing higher and higher all the time, and I told her every blame thing, for we first struck that young fool going up the steamboat clear through to where she flung herself on the king's breast at the front door, and he kissed her 16 or 17 times. And then she jumps, with her face all afire like sunset, and says, The brute! Come, don't waste a minute, not a second. We'll have them tarred and feathered and flung in the river. Says I, certainly. But do you mean before you go to Mr. Lothrop's, or? Oh, she says. What am I thinking about? She says, and sat right down again. Don't mind what I said. Please don't. You won't now, will you? Laying her silky hand on mine in that kind of way that I said I would die first. I never thought I was so stirred up, she says. Now go on, I won't do so anymore. You tell me what to do, and whatever you say, I'll do it. Well, I says, it's a rough gang, them frauds, and I'm fixed, so I got to travel with them a while longer, whether I want to or not. I'd rather not tell you why. And if you was to blow on them, this town would get me out of their claws, and I'd be all right. But there's another person you don't know about who'd be in big trouble. Well, we got to save him, ain't we? Of course. Well, then, we won't blow on him. Saying them words put a good idea in my head. I see how, maybe, I could get me and Jim rid of them frauds, get them jailed here, and then leave. But I didn't want to run the raft in daytime without anybody aboard to answer questions for me. So I didn't want to plan to begin working until pretty late tonight. I says, Miss Mary Jane, I'll tell you what we'll do. And you won't have to stay at Mr. Lothrop so long, neither. How far is it? A little short of four miles. Right out in the country, back there. Well, that'll answer. Now, you go along, out there, and lay low till nine or half past tonight. And then get him to fetch you home again. Tell him you thought of something. If you get here before eleven, put a candle in this window. And if I don't turn up, wait till eleven. And then if I don't turn up, 
It means I'm gone and out of the way and safe. And then you come out and spread the news and get these beats jailed. Good, she says. I'll do it. And if it just happens that I don't get away, but I get took up along with them, you must up and say that I told you the whole thing beforehand. And you must stand by me all you can. Stand by you? Indeed I will. They shan't touch a hair on your head, she says. And I see her nostrils spread and her eyes snap when she said it too. If I get far away, I shan't be here, I says, to prove these rascalings ain't your uncle's. I couldn't do it if I was here. I could swear they was beats and bums, that's all. Though, that's worth something. Well, there's others that can do better than what I can. And there are people that ain't gonna be doubted as quick as I'll be. I'll tell you how to find them. Give me a pencil and a piece of paper to write. There. Royal Nonsuch Bricksville. Put it away and don't lose it. When the court wants to find something out about these two, let them stand up to Bricksville. Say they've got the man that played the Royal Nonsuch and ask for some witnesses. Why, you'll have that entire town down here before you can hardly wink, Miss Mary. And then there'll come a bill in, too. I just we got everything fixed about right now. So I says, just let the auction go right along. And don't worry, nobody have to pay for the things they buy till the whole day after the auction, on account of the short notice. And they ain't gonna get out of this to get that money. And the way we fixed it, the sale ain't gonna count. And they ain't gonna get no money. And just like the way it was with the... It weren't no sale. And the will be back before long. Why couldn't they collect the money for the... yet? They're in the worst kind of fix, Miss Mary. Well, she says, I'll run down to breakfast now, and then I'll start straight for Mr. Lothrop's. Indeed, that ain't the ticket, Miss Mary Jane, I says. By no manner of means. Go before breakfast. Why? Why'd you reckon I want you to go at all for, Miss Mary? Well, I never thought. Come to think, I don't know. What was it? Why, it's because you ain't one of these leather-faced people. I don't want no better book than what is your face. But I can sit down and read off it like a coarse print. Do you reckon you can go and face your uncles when they come to kiss you good morning and never... There, there, don't. <sighs> yes? I'll go before breakfast. I'll be glad to. And leave my sisters with them? Yes. It's never about them. You gotta stand it a while yet. They might suspicion something if all you was to go. I don't want you to see them. Nor sisters. Nor nobody in this town. If a neighbor was to ask you how's your uncles this morning... Your face would tell something. Nope, you go right along, Miss Mary Jane, and I'll fix it with all of them. I'll tell Miss Susan to give your love to your uncles and say you went away for a few hours for to get a little rest and change or go see a friend and that you'll be back tonight or early in the morning. Gone to see my friend is all right, but I won't have my love given to him. Well then, it shan't be. It was well enough to tell her so. No harm in it. It was only a little thing to do, no trouble, and it's the little things that smooths people's roads the most, down here below. It would make Mary Jane comfortable, and it wouldn't cost nothing. Then I says, there's one more thing. That bag of money. Well, they've got that. It makes me feel pretty silly to think how they got it. Nope, 
You're out there. They ain't got it. Why, who's got it? I wish I knowed, but I don't. I start to give to you, and I know where I hid it, but I'm afraid there ain't no more. I'm awful sorry, Miss Mary Jane. I'm just as sorry as I can be, but I done the best I could. I did, honest. I come not getting caught, and have to shove it in the first place I comes to, and run. And we're in a good place. Oh, stop blaming yourself. It's too bad to do it, and I won't allow it. You couldn't help it. It wasn't your fault. Where'd you hide it? I didn't want to set her to thinking about her troubles again. And I couldn't seem to get my mouth to tell her what would make her see that corpse lying in the coffin with that bag of money on his stomach. So for a minute, I didn't say nothing. Then I says, I'd rather not tell you where I put the money, Miss Mary Jane, if you don't mind letting me off. But I'll write it for you on a piece of paper. And you can read it along the road to Mr. Lorthrop's if you want to. Do you reckon that'll do? Oh, yes. So I wrote, I put it in the coffin. It was in there when you was crying there, away in the night. I was behind the door. I was mighty sorry for you, Miss Mary Jane. It made my eyes water a little to remember her crying there, all by herself in the night, and them devils lying there, right under her own roof, shaming her and robbing her. And when I folded it up, I give it to her. I see the water coming to her eyes, too. And she shook me by the hand, hard, and says, Goodbye. I'm going to do everything you just told me. And if I don't ever see you again, I shan't ever forget you. And I'll thank you most many, many times, and pray for you, too. And she was gone. Pray for me? I reckon if she'd known me, she'd take a job that was more nearer her size. But I bet she'd done it just the same. She was just that kind. She had the grit to pay for Judas, if she had the notion. There wasn't no back down to her, I judge. You may say what you want to, but in my opinion, she had more sand in her arm than any girl I ever see. In my opinion, she was just full of sand. I know it sounds like flattery, but it ain't no flattery. And when it comes to beauty, and goodness too, she lays over them all. I ain't ever seen her since that time I see her go out of the door. Nope, I ain't ever seen her since. But I reckon I thought of her a many and a many millions of times. And of her saying she would pray for me. And if I ever thought it would do any good for me to pray for her, blamed if I wouldn't have done it or bust. Well, Mary Jane, she let out the back way, I reckon, because nobody saw her go. When I struck Susan in the hair lift, I says, what's the name of those people over on the other side of the river that you goes to see sometimes? They says, there's several, but the proctors mainly. That's the name, I says. I almost forgot it. Well, Miss Mary Jane, she told me to tell you she's gone over there in a dreadful hurry. One of them's sick. Which one? I don't know leastways. I kind of forget, but I think it's... Snake's alive. I hope it ain't Hannah. I'm sorry to say it, I says, but Hannah's the very one. My goodness. And she was so well only last week. Is she too bad? There ain't no name for it. They set up with her all night, Miss Mary Jane said, and they don't think she'll last many hours. Only think of that now. What's the matter with her? And I couldn't think of anything reasonable right off the way, so I says, Mumps. Mumps, your granny. 
They don't set up with people that's got the mumps. They don't, don't they? You better bet they do with these mumps. These mumps is different. It's a new kind, Miss Mary Jane said. How is it a new kind? Because it's mixed up with other things. What other things? Well, measles and whooping cough and erypalus and consumption and yellow janders and brain fever. And I don't know what all. My land, and they call it mumps? That's what Miss Mary Jane said. Well, what nation do they call it mumps for? Why, because it is the mumps. That's what it starts with. Well, ain't no sense in it. A body might stump his toe and take pissing and fall down a well and break his neck and bust his brains out. Somebody come along and ask what killed him and some numbskull say why he stumped his toe. Will there be any sense in it? No. And there ain't no sense in this, nother. Is it catching? Is it catching? Why, how you talk? Is Harrow catching? In the dark? If you don't hitch onto one tooth, you're bound to on another, ain't you? And you can't always get away with that tooth without fetching the whole harrow along, can you? Well, these kind of mumps is a kind of harrow, as you might say. And it ain't no slouch of harrow, nother. You come to get it hitched on good. Well, it's awful, I think, says the harrowlet. I'll go to Uncle Harvey and... Oh, yes, I says. I would. Of course I would. I wouldn't lose no time. Well, why wouldn't you? Just look at it a minute. Maybe you can see. Ain't your uncles obliged to get you along home to England as fast as they can? And you reckon they'd be mean enough to go off and leave you to go all that journey by yourselves? You know they'll wait for you. So far, so good. Your Uncle Harvey's a preacher, ain't he? Very well, then. Is a preacher going to deceive a steamboat clerk? Is he going to deceive a ship clerk so as to get them to let Miss Mary Jane go aboard? Now you know he ain't. What will he do then? Why, he'll say, it's a great pity, but my church matters has got to get along the best way they can, for my niece has been exposed to the dreadful perlibusnum mumps. And so it's my bounden duty to sit down here and wait the three months it takes to show on her if she's got it. But never mind if you think it's best to go tell your Uncle Harvey. Shucks, I'm safe fooling round here when we could be having a good old time in England whilst we was waiting to find out whether Mary Jane's got it or not? Why, you talk like a muggins. Well, anyway, maybe you better tell some of the neighbors. Listen to that now. You do beat all for natural stupidness. Can't you see they'll go and tell? There ain't no way but just not to tell anybody at all. Well, Maybe you're right. Yes, I judge you are right. But I reckon we ought to tell Uncle Harvey she's gone out a while anyway, so he won't be uneasy about her. Yes, Mary Jane, she wanted you to do that. She says, tell him to give Uncle Harvey and William my love and a kiss. And say I've run over the river to see Mr... Mr... What's the name of the rich family your Uncle Peter used to think of so much? I mean, the one that... Why, you must mean the Anthorps, ain't it? Of course. Bought them type of names. About I can't ever seem to remember them half of the time somehow. Yes, she said say she's run over to ask the Apthorps to be sure to come over for the auction and buy this house. Because she allowed her Uncle Peter would rather they had it than anybody else. And she's going to stick to them till they say they'll come. And then, if she ain't too tired, she's coming home. And if she is, she'll be home in the morning anyway. She said don't say nothing about the Proctors, but only about the Apthorps which would be perfectly true, because she is going there to speak about their buying the house. I know it, because she told me so herself. 
All right, they said, and cleared out to lay for their uncles and give them love and kisses and tell them the message. Everything was all right now. The girls wouldn't say nothing because they wanted to go to England, and the king and the duke would rather Mary Jane off work in the auction than round the reach of Dr. Robinson. I felt very good. I judged I'd done it pretty neat. I reckon Tom Sawyer couldn't have done it no neater himself. Of course, he would have thrown more style into it, but I can't do that very handy, not being brung up to it. Well, they held the auction in the public square, along towards the end of the afternoon, and it strung along and strung along, and the old man, he was on hand, and looking his level pastinist up there, alongside the auctioneer, chipping in a little scripture now and then, or a little goody-goody, saying something kind, and the duke was round goo-gooing for sympathy, all he knowed how, and just spreading himself generally. But by and by, the thing dragged through, and everything was sold. Everything but a little old trifling lot in the graveyard. So they got to work that off. I never seen such a draft as the king was, one sallow everything. Well, whilst they was at it, a steamboat landed, and in about two minutes, up comes a crowd, a whooping and a yelling and laughing and carrying on, and singing out, Here's your opposition line! Here's your two sets of airs to old Peter Wilkes! And you pay your money, and you takes your choice! Thank you so very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please like, comment, share, all that jazz, and if you really enjoyed, do subscribe, because there is more to come. Um, I'm definitely going to have finished this by the time that you're watching this, because it's like chapter 28, and there's a while to come. Um, I'm moving, so the setup and the sound and things could change just a little bit while I'm setting things up at my new place. Um, but hopefully it will be better for you, and it will most definitely be better for me, because mental health sucks. Um, yeah, so if there's a slight difference between the next coming chapters... There's not really much I can do about it because I need to move. Um, however, the next chapter is a very, very interesting one, and the chapter following that, even more interesting still. So please stick around for that. Once again, thank you very much for listening, and until next time, bye-bye. <laughs>